There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new Bubbly Burst. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Do you want to boost the economy like Taylor Swift? Do you want to run a business empire like Rihanna? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Look, man. There. Oh, I see. Wow. Oh, my. Oh, and look over there. Wow. Is that oh, culture? Oh, yes. My goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Las Culturistas. Ding dong. Las, Las Culturistas calling. <laughs> I'm sensing a little. <laughs> What? I need peculiar energy frequency from no, my sister. I just feel like a very dropped-in spirit today. Okay, and could it be that's because we're t- going to talk about an album that's very dropped-in? I did an assignment for my sister. Mm. I watched the uh, potentially controversial movie, I Care A Lot. Oh, you did watch it? I watched it today. I thought we were going to talk oh about it on my the God. pod. Well, I- I'm happy to talk about it on the pod. And also, um, I want you to know, like, not only that, but... I was attacked by a reader in the DMs. What did they say? I was attacked by a reader in the DMs and they said, this is what this reader said to me. I have the gall. They said, I wish that you would talk about things that me and my queer friends really talk about. Your podcast is feeling very sponsored lately. By whom? I said said to him, I responded, I said, listen, queen, what do you mean? (laughs) And he said... I didn't think you would respond. I was like, yeah, I bet you didn't. I was like, but now I I demand to know. He was like, no, he said, you know, the one division of it all, this real house as a salt lake of it all feels very sponsored. And I was like, if we're being accused of talking about straight things, they think those are that's straight culture. I don't understand. There's, there was some, there was like a codedness in what he was saying 
in that we're talking about WandaVision, we're talking about Salt Lake City, and he called it, he called it, he said it felt very sponsored. And I thought like, oh, he doesn't, he's like, and he said, I wish you would talk about what me and my queer friends really talk about. Like, you haven't talked about UK Drag Race at all. And I was like, let me write down on my list UK Drag Race. I said to the person, I was okay, like, if great. it makes you feel we'll any better. UK Drag Race. I was like, if it makes you feel any better, Bowen and I are both absolutely Bimini stands. Bimini Bamboo Lash is as charismatic of of drag race contest, a contested as there's ever been. Mm. They are they are phenomenal and a truly what a star. What a star. Bimini. I, I feel now, well, I, I don't know how you feel, but this last episode I felt was really controversial. I I, I very I almost, controversial. I did not agree with the person who went home. Not to not to not to sort of dabble in this in in this imagery for the people listening, but I feel that Rue and Michelle go to a different multiverse when they cross the pond. They get there, and it's like the way that they judge is just fundamentally different Strange. from anything. It's that Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme, really, is getting in in their heads. Sorcerer Supreme. It, it's something that goes on where they get. Sorry, to we're, we're talking the about WandaVision again. Oops, we're sponsored. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna talk about how it ended too. So batten down the hatches. I have no understanding of what their decision making is when they get there. Like, like in this last episode, spoiler alert, they the bottom two was Tace and Ahura after the stand-up challenge. And then they sent Ahura home. They sent Ahura home. Which I thought was bullshit. You said something in the thread that was very um poignant, I think, which is this top four is really tough because two out of the four of them have no chance of winning. Zero chance. Tace is never going to win the show. Ellie is and not gonna Ellie win. is Ellie was never going to win the show. But if you if you narrow it down to a top three, because I believe UK does a top three, of Lawrence Cheney, Bimini Bamboulash, and Ahora, I feel like they all they all make cases for the win. Absolutely. And but now you have a full villain edit for Lawrence. Which mm-hmm. I think is kind of justified because yeah. I've never I've I've never gotten on the Lawrence train, sadly. I just don't get it as much as Rue seems to. It's truly such a crapshoot to know what Rue will laugh at. And I think I would I would I would tell him this to his face. Like <laughs> you don't know what will make Rue cackle, like th- throw Rue into a cackling fit. It feels like non sequitur. It's like, oh, it, it just feels coincidental, whatever. But um Bimini is fully getting the winners at it at this point. You think so? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. they just showered her with praise about that, with that acne look, which mm-hmm. was genius, by the way. Mm-hmm. Fully genius. Mm-hmm. And and Bimini is just, like, a star and, like, is confident and, like, has this, like, I don't know, stability, whereas Lawrence, you this, the, the veneer is starting to crack and you're, you're sort of seeing Lawrence, like, lash out a little bit. Yeah, just m- my perspective is when you look at Bimini in, in pretty much every area that they judge on the show when it comes to mm-hmm. like performance quality, fashion, comedic instincts, mm-hmm. like outlook, POV, everything feels like fresh and new and mm-hmm. like like a like like the maybe this isn't true because she obviously can get better from here, but like a fully realized drag queen mm-hmm. um who is like ready to execute on all levels and just knows themselves mm-hmm. whereas like and so that's why i think she's the winner and also like if lawrence cheney is going to come into this competition as a comedy queen you probably should win a comedy challenge and not flop in the comedy challenges like you have been and i don't i'm not a lawrence cheney hater but i did want to ask me you neither, what you neither. thought of when ellie diamond put the order together, the order together. and ahora and 
Lawrence Cheney were so upset about the way that Ellie did that. What was your take on that situation? I felt like it was, I kind of see where Ellie's coming from, where Ellie was trying to set each of her competitor, each of her, you know, competitors, competitors up for failure. Mm-hmm. It felt like if Lawrence was good enough of a comedic performer, it wouldn't have mattered where she landed in the lineup. Yeah, I think the cool thing would have been to just be like, oh, whatever, I'll kill wherever I'm at, which is what Bimini said. And I thought that, I I was of two minds about it. It's like, I think that they should have just sucked it up and done whatever the order was and moved on Mm -hmm. because in saying you should have been last or that the order was bad, what you're kind of doing is talking shit about everyone else. So, Oh, 100%. So that was odd to me that they would make such a huge deal about it. I guess the only person who was justified in feeling bad about it would have been Ahura because- it's just hard She's to go opening. first or yeah. quote unquote hard to go first. Again, like if you're actually a confident performer, you shouldn't care about that. But where I did side with Lawrence a little bit was I felt it was patronizing of Ellie to be like, so is everyone okay with that? And when Lawrence was like, you don't care if we're okay with it. So don't ask us if we are like, no, you did what sure. you did, like shut up. Like, so yeah. I ultimately was like, I think she's right there that it's bullshit for Ellie to be like, let me just check in with you girls that you're okay with it. Like you don't actually care. You did this to fuck us up. You didn't deny it. And now we're, we, we see where you're at. I think it's also, it's Lawrence kind of lashing out at, losing control and also of this being some sort of comeuppance maybe where Mm -hmm. they've been antagonizing Ellie all season Mm -hmm. saying like every, it feels like for the last three episodes, every opening of the episode, like after the mirror, after they like reconvene after the last week's challenge and Mm -hmm. runway, when they reset to the next day and they all skip in and they're in their, in their regular clothes and they gather at the table, the past three episodes have all been, so Ellie, you haven't won a challenge yet and you must suck. Like, like that's been the thing. And then and it cuts to Ellie's talking head where she's like, they should stop underestimating me and all. It's mm-hmm. like, it feels like, I don't know if that's intentionally been built on like a producer level to like make it seem like they've picked on her and now she's like exacting some sort of revenge. But mm-hmm. maybe that's where Ellie was coming from. And it makes sense that Lawrence would react that way as well. Yeah, well, Lawrence seems like there's a version of can dish it but can't take it. Because, Mm -hmm. and also there's, I mean, she's open about it, but she's obviously incredibly insecure. And so the fact that she is there and like has been praised by Rue as being so funny, like you've, I can't even remember watching Rue laugh at a contestant the way that Rue will crack up whenever Lawrence Cheney even. She wouldn't even do that with like Bob. She wouldn't even do that with like genuinely funny. She's like really, really enamored with Lawrence in a way where even just when she says her name, she's already laughing. It's, it's like already at a 10 to the point where maybe it's set an expectation in Lawrence's head uh, or like uh, she thinks who she is and, and like now she's not succeeding and it's fucking with her sort of Alaska vibes like in the la- in the last yeah, week of yeah. or two of All Stars 2 when she started to sort of crumble. But she definitely isn't cool as a cucumber lately. No, no. And I thought it was a bummer to see Ahura go because... I thought Ahura at least had perspective and hasn't been in the bottom three times. Like, I'm done with Tace. I'm done with Tace. The soup sandwich thing is really dark with Tace. I saw that last night and I was like... Can you believe? But I think Tace is just someone who like... And I I absolutely love like that kind of food as well. Like I... like (laughs) Sloppy doppy. Sloppy doppy. I still buy (laughs) SpaghettiOs from Trader Joe's to this day. Mm. Were you a sloppy Joe girl? 
I was, I love a sloppy joe. I'll still eat a fucking sloppy joe, honey. And I love my, I love my cup noodles. I hmm. love my spaghettios. I love my uh, my bagel bites. Oh my god! You cannot keep me away from the frozen on. I have trauma from watching other kids eat sloppy Joe in what elementary is this trauma? school. Let's unpack. I don't know what it. Well, I've I've told you like when I was in when I was like younger, young, young, young. I had like. I had like a food phobia when I was a little kid. Like I could only, f- mm. I could only eat food that I saw my mom make and that was hot. And I didn't trust the cafeteria food. So when I'd watch all my peers, like, this. oh yeah, no, I, I, I was, I had like a issue with food when I was younger. I always learned something about my sister. I, it's like an, it's like the glorious gay onion. You know, Lesson, it's the big yes. queer onion. It's actually, mm. t- it's a front runner for title of that. The queer, queer onion. onion. I we, we would be doing such a disservice to not name this Swift Swift, but keep going. Oh wow, that that's that's pretty good. That's another front runner. Sorry, really not good, to like preordain. Good job, it, Bo. No, I mean we preordain all the time. This is what we do here on La Cult. <laughs> um, okay, so wait, but I, I would lo- watch these kids like slobba lobba lobba doo on these all Doopy. like like sloppy joes and i was like i just would not eat my lunch and the amount of lunches i threw out just from being afraid of food like it was so hearing that you love to sort of eat the sloppy messy food is, is trigger for me because as taste was talking about it i was like so revolted that i almost had to turn it off <laughs> it was a lot it was a lot but Anyway, you saw the episode where she made it, right? I saw I saw the clip that she posted to her Instagram where she makes it and I was like and she bites into it and thinks it's so delicious and I'm like that's going to be a no from me, dog. It is lethal. It is lethal. It rotted. is so it is rotted and gutted as a snack. Rotted and gutted. It was not good. But anyway, so I guess you you are a Bimini stan, I'm a Bimini stan. We I feel Bimini, Bimini is the only winner. Um switching gears over to the Drag Race US we had a snatch game. What were yes. your thoughts as a character performer extraordinaire? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a decent snatch game. The ratio of like four of them being good to five, like it felt like a decent ratio. There wasn't like a full standout to me. Even I'm sorry, even with Gottmik, mm-hmm. it wasn't oh, like I loved. Oh, I loved it. It was. It, it, she deserved the win absolutely, and she succeeded. Mm-hmm. And she was very good, and and, it w- and is one of the stronger snatch game performances we've seen mm-hmm. overall. I it's not gonna be a fucking Bob as you know Uzu Aduba into Carol Channing. It's not gonna be Alaska's Mae West. It's not gonna be Jinx as Little Edie. It's not like 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 those wins are like oh my god, they're so mm-hmm. good. I mean, this was just like I think Paris Hilton was the perfect choice for Gottmik. It's not like one of those genius snatch game performances for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that what was so great about this is it's like, it's kind of like with snatch game, I was real. I think actually this year is a really good example of many different ways you can do the snatch game. So like you had um, a couple different smart decisions being made here. One was, I thought Simone as Harriet Tubman, I thought it was really smart to do Harriet Tubman because we as the audience don't actually don't know, know what, what she, she was like. like. And yeah. so we we we're never going to be putting it up against um a very well-known personification of someone that we know well. We just mm-hmm. all we're gonna be looking for is a strong comedic take. And Simone yes. essentially doing herself as yeah. Harriet Tubman is a very strong comedic take, and she was able to put jokes in there. So I thought that that was really smart. 
similarly, and I think a little bit, I, this was a little bit stronger for me. Rosé. Was Rosé as Mary Queen of Scots because same thing, we don't actually know what she was like, but she was able to do a big character that was different from herself. Yeah, but but it was a vehicle for something that we already know her to do well. I think she's mentioned the fact that she's been Scottish before. And she's like pulled out the accent. She's definitely done a runway and she's responded, I think, yes. in the Scottish accent to the critiques. But I thought this was a more heightened, sort of overdrawn Scottish accent. And to me, I liked this a little bit more than the Simone one because it was playing two things at once. It was playing the fact that the Scottish accent is so ridiculous, you can barely understand what she's mm-hmm, saying. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. the lack of understanding is one game. And then another game I thought that was being played that was really well executed was like Mary Queen of Scots able to look back at her life in retrospect. Like I thought it was funny that she had knowledge of the fact that she was beheaded. I Mm -hmm. thought it was funny that she knew the abrev for fuck's sake was FFS. Like I just thought like modern Mary Queen of Scots who gets the deal was funny to me. So they were kind of doing the same sort of thing where it's like, I'm going to pick someone that I can personify and they did it to different degrees in Mm -hmm, different ways. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. you have like, honest impersonation and i think like and if that's you can, and that was god mick who and yeah. if you can do honest good impersonation and be funny and improvisation as the character and have some jokes I, I it's really tough to beat that person and i think what was really great about god mick is she obviously knew a knew paris in her bones and could yeah. respond like paris like that and b she puts paris's face literally on so she was able to put that face on her own totally, face and totally. look exactly like her so right yeah in the christian cat down to the christian cowan mama that was what meredith marks wore on real house yeah. of salt lake city was it not jlo wore jlo wore in, a, in an snl bumper when she hosted uh, last yes. season like that, yeah. that piece has been on everybody, which I'm I'm saying is like a great thing. Like, yeah, it's no, it's a, it's a really fun item. Um, it's so, so good. Those three were great, and then I did like Denali as JVN. I thought it was I thought it was there funny were jokes to have in there. There was jokes, and I thought it was really funny to have like that extremely laid wig and the shit beard. <laughs> like <laughs> that felt very JVN to me. But they were probably the four best, right? The four best. Um, should we talk about? Girl, the, the bad one, the one that we just can't really seem to get Utica over. Queens Bob Ross is upsetting to me and revolting to me on a level. I, I it upset me. It, it felt like a nightmare watching it. If if Utica is listening to this, we're so sorry. I like a lot of what she's done. A lot of what she's done. We really, we really love Utica here. Mm-hmm. Um, the instincts, the instincts were were not there on this one. At, at every step, at, on every level, the instincts were absent. Rue was basically screaming say. at her, don't, don't do, do this. It. <laughs> like, <sighs> it was just, so, but because the thing is, I don't know what you think, but if she had done Bob Ross looking like Bob Ross, would that have been insensitive? That's the way Bob Ross no. looked. Bob no. Ross was, this is, this is Bob Ross's hair. And if you were concerned about that, just do someone else. There's just a lot of, um, there was just a lot going on. Yeah. That was it. That was it. And it was this like Southern Raw that Bob Ross didn't really have. Um, no. Nope. I mean, su- There's Southern. He, 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 he spoke, he was, he was from the South, but it, it just, it wasn't that, it wasn't like a prospector, you know? Yeah, no. Um, anyway. <laughs> just um, to cut to got mixing. No. <laughs> 
like who like loves Bob Ross apparently. That was bad. The the afro full of squirrels. I couldn't believe it. It only, it only looked dumb. But you know she th- you know she thinks she, she you know she thinks it's genius. You yeah, know she thinks that that is like such an inspired thing. She is not. You know what's happening? It's it's like she is not. The the note to edit is not arriving to her in real time on the show. She's going to watch this and be like, oh, my God, I see now. It's a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat. Almost everything I do. And she'll come back for All Stars and be good. Of course. And like an incredible queen. Yeah, really, really gifted. And I, I just think it's it's it. She needs to think simpler. Like sometimes the simplest answer is the answer. Like I'm shocked she didn't do Carol Burnett. She would have been great. Like it matches. It's like it's like it's like Gottmik picking Paris. It's like yes, it, it matches. It's like find someone who kind of meets you where you're at. Yeah, energetically, sensibility wise, mm-hmm. and then it'll it'll be like you're setting yourself up for something decent. You might not win, but at least like you won't. It won't be a fucking train wreck. Yeah, it's I'm about sorry. embodiment. It's about embodiment and ha- being able to have fun. And and live and breathe as the character because Rue is going to improvise with you. So yeah. fuck your jokes that you prepared. You have to pick someone who basically is you that you can answer as them on the fly. It's not which yes. is not even like an improv note. It's it's an impression note almost, mm-hmm. which is different. It's a different discipline entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean now, I mean unfortunately now, like I used to not be able to answer the question, who would I play for on Snatch Game? But now I know who. And, and like, and this is so gross to say, but like, ever since Fran, I'm like, I, it has to be Fran. like, I, 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 I've, oh, I've yeah. like felt her in my bones now that like, I would love to do her. Yeah. You, know? you as Fran is a, a, the definition of a winning snatch game. I think I even <laughs> tweeted that. I think I even tweeted Bowen Yang just well, or no, maybe Joel did. I think Joel, I think Joel someone did. said sweet. Bowen has won the snatch game as, as Fran. Who were your answers again? For who I would do? For who you would do, yeah. I I feel like it's actually tough because I feel like I could really easily slip into like Bethany Frankel, but you would yes, no, you would be great as Bethany. I think I would be a good Bethany. I think I also would be a good Lou. And I, I but <laughs> like I but I don't know, like then but I think Lou, to myself a like, energy than Lou. Lou's not that fun of an energy, sadly. But then I think to myself, like maybe I should do like Alicia Silverstone and Clueless so I can be like a sort of like I don't know. I, this is this. It, Chris Schleicher tweeted, tweeted this earlier. He was like, the most stressful question I'll never have to answer is what would I do for Snatch Game? I'm never going to do drag. I will not start. And I was like, I feel the same way. Like whenever anyone's like, who would you do for who Snatch? Do I feel Snatch like game? I have to have an answer. And my answer is always Bethany because she's so like New York, like fast, ridiculous, like constantly crying at the drop of a hat, starting in like it feels like me. It's whoever, whoever most, whatever celebrity most closely matches Sam, your character Sam. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I feel like that's not Bethany. So I don't know. I have it's to Alicia, think about it's more. Alicia Silverstone, maybe. Well, I thought about her, maybe, but then also, I don't know. I also feel like someone could do Rachel McAdams and you could just go out there as Regina George. <laughs> yeah, you really could. You really um, could. But anyway, it's, it's literally, it's a question that haunts. You, you have so many options. You could do Kate Hudson. You've already done a Kate Hudson impression. <laughs> No, because Rue yeah. would be like, how are you going to make that funny? <laughs> you know what I think I would do? And, and, and you'd be the way that you did it on the, on the pod. Like, we'd be like, 
fuck, well, fuck, let's just go smoke. And like, like you doing no. Kate no. Hudson wanting to smoke by Goldie Hawn and Kirk Russell's. <laughs> it's, too, Kurt Russell's. it's too Utica Queen. It's too hat on a hat. It's like no, young Kate it's Hudson. No, it's anyway, not. No, no. Here's oh what God, I think Kate I would Hudson do for real. Is incredible. I think I would do Bethany Frankel and halfway through I'd be like, I gotta go. I gotta go because she's always leaving. And I would and come, come back, back as Dolly Parton. And every answer is a long song. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You would do Dolly well. Uh, who knows? Dolly's never been done. Did you know that? Really? I don't think Dolly has been done on Snatch, which is crazy to me. I thought I thought like on on one of the the All-Stars like dating game ones or like the cruise ship ones Did or whatever. They? Like- I don't know. I don't think Dolly's been done. And if okay. we're wrong, the readers will tell us. But um but yeah, anyway, I thought that was that was a some people on Twitter were like, have there ever been such high highs and low lows on Snatch Game? And I'm like, yeah, every Absolutely. single year. The thing that everyone forgets every season, and Josh Sharp says this all the time. Yes. Everyone's, it, it gets so hype for Snatch Game every season in the lead mm-hmm. up. And then you get to Snatch Game and you're like, that was fine. Yeah. Like, it's it's not like no one's ever, the only Snatch Game that is, the only Snatch Games, plural, that have blown me away are all-Stars 2 and UK Season 1. UK Season 1. And I I did have a lot of fun watching UK Season 2. I thought it was really fun. I giggled throughout. I giggled throughout. I feel stupid because I don't know most of those people. Whereas Season 1, you had like Trump and Thatcher. And, I like, know, they were so amazing. It was so easy to follow. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. The Vivian's Trump is the best Snatch game that's ever been. I would say hands down. But it's like, I don't want to watch. Like, I'm not like, I, I would never seek out the Vivian's Trump. I would seek out and watch for hours Bag of Chips doing Margaret Thatcher. Well, you know they have a web series, which is uh, uh, Trump yeah, and yeah, Thatcher yeah. on WoW Presents. And I watch it sometimes when I'm inebriated and it does the trick. <laughs> but I, what I think about Bag of Chips' Thatcher post UK season one is that she's made it less fun by taking the red eyes out. Like she's made it mm. less mon- Like I was obsessed with the fact that, sh- that bag of chips. Craven freak. This, this <laughs> demon from hell. Yeah. I was like, that is so yeah. genius. Yeah. She was like, she had like, hasn't drank blood yet today. Yeah. Insane. Oh my God. Bag of chips. I just love bag of chips. So I much. love bag of chips too. I thought the Vivian's Trump, I, it did it for me because like something about a drag queen doing Trump, like, and I'm, so I'm sorry to say it, but I'm exhausted by every single fucking Trump. Like every time I see a Trump, I'm like, oh, like I, I just am so over it. And he's such a joke. And, and I, 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 whenever I watch that, I'm just like, I can't do this. And then to see a drag queen do it, especially a British drag queen, like nail it like sure. that. A, it's the Context best. Is- it's it's the best flat impression of him I've seen. And it just felt like it could be no holds barred in a way. That That's not true. Words- you've you've seen Will Stevens' Trump. I think Will Stevens has, Will Stevens has the best. Trump. Oh yeah, he's got a good Trump. I, I I he doesn't do Trump like professionally though. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, but but Will Steven has been able to pick up on some Trump cadences that no yeah. other Trump impressionist has, has, and he like kind of only showcased it within like the last year of his term. Anyway, um, yeah. shout out to reader straight reader Will Steven, we love, and and though we have to lift those icons up, we the straight have to readers. lift the straight men, the straight readers up, the uh, straight readers. We we see you, we hear you, we feel you. Um, before before we sorry, we're we're we're, we're, no, we're no longer a queer podcast. <laughs> we are saluting our straight. Before we get into the um the evermore uh, 
Evermore of it all. What did, let's just close the loop on WandaVision really well, really quickly. Okay. What did you think of the finale so that we can move on? And then if I get obsessed with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'll keep it to myself. Lovely, lovely finale. I overall, I really thought about the entire series, I guess, as a whole. Mm. And I feel like none of it was the like Wanda, ha- like having it be TV sitcom eras doesn't actually work for me. Like, mm-hmm. it is not fully explained by the previously on episode where she has flashbacks to, like, whatever, Sokovia, or uh, where she's like, oh, the reason it's TV eras is because she watched shows with her parents. Like, I don't know. I get that it's tied to her grief and that, like, the her Westview is, like, things that resolve the grief or that are, like, linked to the grief. But I think, conce- like, the premise is a lot of winding turns through some stuff and I kind of wish it was all which battles which battles which battles starting <laughs> from episode three on I was like yeah. this is what it should have been the whole time and I know like budget wise it couldn't have happened because they needed to sort of pour it all into like this crazy crazy battle mm-hmm. um, but that's my thought I loved I mean I really am into the Scarlet Witch costume I she was stunning at the end of that I, I think Catherine Hahn's gonna come back I think like it's yeah. set up so that she has to go and find Catherine Hahn yeah. Um, maybe in Doctor Strange or after Doctor Strange, but I I have my things about the show that are that are interesting. It's like her like walking off, like walking through Westview after like the hex disappears and having everyone stare at her, and she's just like, and then basically her and Monica are like, they'll never understand like women like, or you know, basically they're like they'll never understand. It's like, honey, you just tra- ruined <laughs> these people's lives. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're not the victim here. Um. I don't know. There was just, but again, and I think you brought this up. It's like, I have to remember that this is a show that's actually meant for children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's why I wasn't really reaching too far for like deeper meaning. And the fact that it did explore grief and, and also like, I think it's better than any of these things need to be. That's what I'll say. Yes. And, and, and yes. I will say in watching all the old movies, which I'm doing right now, like I just watched Thor, the dark world today. This is so interested in, one of the female characters in, in in these Marvel movies in a way that I think is so different from, I was actually talking to Mike Spence about this, like um, old friend, Bowen's, love Bowen's old roommate. Um, and old he was saying like, well. yes, it, in the comics, like all these female characters are like flat as fuck. And like, you're like in the comics, like Wanda's a monster. And like, you kind of understand mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. she's upset because of what the t- turns her life has taken. But now she's just like this monster who looks gorgeous and a fucking stunning outfit and like she's a crazy woman who like is a witch and this is like exploring why um a character that's established like that in the comics actually gets to that point um Mm -hmm. really exploring the trauma because if you actually if they hadn't done this series and like hadn't explored wanda's past and or or wanted to continue her as a character like she would have kind of just existed as like a toy that these films use to like torture you know what Mm -hmm. i mean in order to move the plot forward to get her to like places where she's so upset that she uses her power and she barely can control it so i liked that it like um Uh, explored the concept of what this woman has been through and why Mm -hmm. she might want to create a soft place to land um, and how she wants to feel that she deserves and has earned a happy life and then just like she's not fated to do that. So I thought that was really interesting. I do agree with you like 
there's plot holes galore. I mean, like it, so much of it doesn't check out. Like mm-hmm. when, when mm-hmm. spoiler alert, when Monica is in Evan Peters's house and she sees, when she sees the headshot, it says Ralph Boner. And there was that whole thing where she's like, you're Ralph. It's like, well, if we're in the world of the, of the Wanda, 50 like the sitcom land that headshot would have changed to something that would have been in the sitcom land like you know what i mean like little things yeah, like yeah, that yeah. that i'm probably looking too closely on and that's why when i take a step away i fucking loved watching it i think elizabeth olsen is amazing i think she's yes. uh, she's actually one of my favorite actresses now after watching this and she is julia roberts to you she's the new julia roberts. i love her i i think she's really 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 good and i i loved paul bettany and i thought they were amazing i thought that emotionally it really worked for me by the finale absolutely and pulp wise it worked for me and i loved watching katherine Hahn like be this kooky witch at the end and like cackle and i loved watching katherine Hahn and elizabeth olsen fight as witches in the sky and when elizabeth Holson, when elizabeth olsen became the scarlet witch i thought it was stunning and when she, when she said i don't need you to tell me who i am i was like you better deliver the line you better deliver the line i I agree. I am with you completely. I just think some of the discord, I was talking about this with Julio and Julio was saying that like, he also enjoyed it like on like an entertainment level. Yeah. But the discourse online is a little bit like, okay, let's watch it. Well, because some people are like, this is what we do to women. And it's it's so refreshing to see that this is how we score. Like we ruin women. It's like, wait, 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 wait. That's, I don't think that's the takeaway here. And like, let's like, there's like hundreds of years of culture and reading and plays and books and movies and stuff that like also like touch on this a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And then some people mean, and then some people have been like, this is what, this is a perfect example of what, of what happens when white women put themselves at the center of everything. It's like, all right, everyone just like, wait, the what, where is that coming from? What is that? There, it's just like some, like some Twitter discourse that like, I, I'm like picking up on is like, Wait, what? Like, the, but, the but what stretches? is it? I, I don't understand what it is. What do you mean? Like, what is the critique that people have? What is the discourse about? Like, how it's an example of white women centering themselves. That it's like you you ruin people's lives, or oh, <laughs> like oh, Jesus, it's like like Wanda, like just like literally making herself the center of this like like reality. universe, yeah, whatever. Okay. All right, I don't think I. Well, it's, I'm agreeing with you. It's like, I don't think it runs that... It, like, if this is Naomi Campbell to Tyra Banks. It's not It's that. just not that deep. It's not that deep. And so, I just think we have to, like, again, reassess what we want to get out of a Disney Plus show. Yes. Even if it's even if it's out of an... Even if it's an MCU property, it's like, we can... It, this is just supposed to entertain us. Let's not look too closely at the, at the plot holes. Yeah. Let's not even, like, consider what this means, uh, what this is trying to say about society. Let's just, it's a bonus that we have an amazing performance from Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. It's a bonus that we have this great role for Catherine Hahn. Like, I think that's how we should think about this stuff going forward. I think it honestly, to its credit, it's to its credit that people took it so seriously. Sure. It felt like, Prestige, yeah. Yeah, from the beginning with them trying and and doing the different, you know, sitcom tropes and like doing the different genre, like, Whatever it was from episode to episode, um, I think it 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 presented as extremely interesting and maybe like there was a lot going on. And then there was, but also what was going on was, you know, the sort of 
theme park movies that are the Marvel movies, which is fine. It's just like, don't, you can never get it twisted when you're watching these movies. Like, no, what I liked about it is because in watching all these old movies, it's like, they're great. Like they're a lot of fun, but they are like commercial theme park movies. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's not inaccurate to describe them like that. This I liked because it felt like it was pushing it a little bit further. I liked that it explored one of the female characters. These things so rarely do. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. um, I also thought like, if it was commercial theme park trash, trying to see what it would be like if they took a step towards sure. art. You know what I mean? Sure. It gave people in the cast real opportunities to act, and um, you know, I thought it was—I thought it was great. It's like Taylor going from Lover to Folklore to Evermore. Hello, and hello. What a transition. Well, before we transition, should we save oh. the because I really want to talk about I care a lot. Okay, should so we, so so then let's let's do it, and then and then were you saying it connects to your I don't think so, honey? It, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place. Whether it's the beach, ski slopes, couples getaway, or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long, Matt. And Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. Now, we all know we love to vacation together. We have various happy places. We love to go to Orlando, Florida. We love to go to Las Vegas, Nevada. We love to go to a beach anywhere. We love to go to Europe. But when we have truly traveled the world globally and domestically. My happy place is with my sister and any of those locations he just listed. And now, thanks to Priceline's VIP family feature, you can go to your happy place more often while earning deals up to five times faster with a group. When one person from the squad travels, everyone gets more deals, and you can even choose your own crew. It doesn't have to be your actual family. It could be your neighbor, your roommate, your mailman, anyone. The more you travel, the more you save. For me, I'm choosing Matt Rogers. I'm choosing producer Becca. Yes. We're all going together, the Lost Cult family. So download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy place with Priceline. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Hey, everybody. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs classic clogs and sandals have both covered. And when we're talking about style, we mean personal style. There's just so many colors and so many gibbets charms. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood and to match your personality and to fit the occasion. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than the Crocs clogs and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
with access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Okay, talk about I Care A Lot then. What did you feel? I thought it was garbage. (laughs) I thought it was, did you like it? Now, because I was thinking about this, because if you liked it, then this is a perfect symmetry between the promising young woman of it all. But Mm. I don't think, but did you enjoy I Care A Lot? Um, I liked it more. No, I didn't like it more than Promising Young Woman. I I thought it said something fresher. Than promising young woman. I disagree. Okay. I, I disagree. I think it's like truly like the only thing that it's, it was trying to say something about like womanhood, but like through the lens of like, I'm a girl boss. Like I, it tr- like I was really like truly put off by it. That's interesting. I didn't see it like that at all. I thought it was talking about capitalism only. I thought it was talking about late stage capitalism only. I thought it was talking about the evils of people in power and people that are close to power only. I didn't think it really had anything to do with the fact that she was a female character, literally. I thought like for for almost the same exact reasons as you as you didn't like Promising Young Women. Mm-hmm. Okay, but here's here's something we should clear up. You did not like this movie more than I liked Promising Young Women at the time. Like, over time, I've been like, yeah, maybe maybe it's like a tricky movie on like a writing level and it's winning all these screenplay awards and that kind of bumps. But I will say that like, I th- I thought this was a tonal mess as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, like the category fraud, first of all, of this being like, musical or comedy and for Rosamund to win over Maria Bakalova at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, like you felt it was a drama. I didn't think it was a damn comedy. This to me felt like a pitch black comedy. It, I, 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 yes. I don't even think it was, I don't think it, I don't even think it was a dark comedy. If there were that, it was like satirical. I just, I get that people think that that's what this is. Mm-hmm. I think it was going for like safety brothers drag. It was, it was down to like the scoring yeah. trying to be a Safety Brothers movie and it really annoyed me. And I yeah. and I thought, you're trying to get away with this being satirical, but you're trying to like put this under the wrapping of it being this like gritty, overly saturated, color corrected Safety Brothers movie with all this like electro techno music under it and like mm-hmm. there's blood and gore and all that. It's like, it just was such a chaotic mess of a movie to me. I thought Rosamund was great. Mm-hmm. I really liked her. The performances I thought were good. Um, I thought that you. I really didn't know if the movie was trying to make us root for that woman or not. Uh, see, I do not think the movie ever at any point asks us or wants us to be on her side. And I think if people think that, that is on them. And and I'm I'm talking. You're calling about, me stupid. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, but but I also <laughs> okay, I also understand that like 
in framing her as the protagonist, like, and, and also giving her like a romantic situation and like you seeing anything about her that you can empathize with or sympathize with is dangerous. That I, I would be, I would be where you're at. My thing is, I just, I guess I looked at it from the very jump as like, Oh, I hate this woman. We're supposed to hate this woman. Sure. But you're right. It's like, but then we're invested in her because she has this like love. She like is looking out for someone else's well-being and like, I, I don't know. And, and because she's the lead of the movie and you're kind of, I think that we as, as people that, you know, you know, we've all like, we're all students of the modern screenplay, all students of the modern film. Like we're all waiting for the point where it's like, oh, this is why she's this way. Yes. Whereas I think that that never came and I, I liked that about it. It's just like, this woman is evil. She yeah. is, and this person exists, and this is based on something that happened, and this could be happening everywhere. And I think that sure. it was a comment on how little people care when it comes to, to you know, furthering their own self-interest when it comes at the expense yes. of other people's health and lives. What I will say is I completely agree with you about the tone being crazy. When Chris Messina came in to argue in the, in the court in and he was wearing suit. that suit, I was like, See, this is where I feel like... A different movie. Yeah, I was like, what are we trying to accomplish here? If I'm the judge and he comes in looking like that, I'm like, you're not taking me seriously. You don't take yourself serious. What is this? You're wearing a pinstripe wool suit? No. I, no. And, and again, with the music, you're right. It, it I, It's funny that you bring up um, like the Safdie brothers of it all because someone did get in my DMs and was like, can you talk about the similarities between I Care A Lot and Uncut Gems? Yes, and I was like, yeah, I mean, there's, there are similarities there. It's just- the, uh, Down to the ending, down to- yeah. Right. And I did, I did think the ending went there. I guess I, I respect I Care A Lot and Promising Young Woman because they both went for it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, it, yeah. But I just felt like, and no one, no one throw anything at me for saying this, but I felt like I care a lot said something about 2021. Whereas like promising young woman felt like a movie that was written in 2017 and came out in 2021. And maybe it took four years to make sweetie. Yes. It just, it just felt a little bit behind that conversation and until it did something really bold at the end. Like, I, I don't know. We've talked about it. I, no, I see what you're saying. And I, I don't think that warrants anyone throwing anything at you. Okay, my Please. friend. I just think I was really put off. By well, it. I think that's the point. That's the, I think that's the point. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's like, I was even put off by Rosamund Pike's acceptance speech. I was like- I know, yeah. It seems like, it seems like Hollywood talking about this in and of itself is a way of them not getting it. Exactly. And yeah. I'm like, you're- You guys think you accomplished something by making a movie that like leaves the viewer feeling empty. And I don't think that's like an actual accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? There was an interview she did and she was like, I just thought she was the most fascinating character from when I flipped page to page. I just could not stop watching her. I couldn't, I just thought she was amazing. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but you're, what you should be saying is I thought she was the most psychotically evil person yes. ever and I had to play her. Fascinating. She was no, fascinating. No, I was like, no, I, no. there's something about this I, I'm not on board that's with. That's wrong. And <laughs> what I appreciate about it maybe is that it's like a movie where the protagonist is a woman that you that is really unlikable who is mm -hmm. really unlikable mm -hmm. but the way that it tries to like thread this needle i think very like intentionally is to make you invested in her like outcome mm -hmm. you know like you're supposed to feel something about her getting spoiler alert like 
we're, we're spoiling the whole murdered, movie, but murdered. Yeah. In the end. And I don't know that like you come away from the movie. Like, I think it's more impactful that Carrie Mulligan's character gets murdered in promising young woman. Than well, it yeah. Is. Right. So I, but I'm just thinking like, I don't know. Promising young woman is a better movie than I care a lot. Let's just say that. I just think in terms, in terms of like what I left walking away with, I, I don't know. This, this movie made me think about something I hadn't thought about as much. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's fair. I think this is a wonderful conversation. Well, and I will say this: anytime the villain in the movie is Peter Dinklage, I do roll my fucking eyes. It's like it's like Christoph Waltz being in a movie. I'm like, girl, we have seen this a million times. Like, can we see like Peter Dinklage play someone that's not like him? Impo- I, I I just once he came on, I was like, oh, this is like a uh, this is like a, a level of camp now. And then it sort of the movie sort of was a little bit like. You're supposed to be impressed now by how evil, th- like they keep one upping each other with how bad they yeah, are. Yeah, and even yeah, Diane yeah. Weiss just like gets involved in it, and I'm just yeah. like, I'm like, oh, this is a movie that is about the darkest, darkest, darkest minds in society mm-hmm, who are the movers mm-hmm. and shakers of society. And there was a little bit about it that was like. You know, the plot takes some big fucking swings. Like, and I, I, again, I appreciate a movie that goes there, but I was like, am I supposed to be impressed? Like, am I rooting for, I didn't feel the girl boss thing, but whenever Peter Dinklage comes in and is like a badass, I do think there's a little bit of like, look at this guy go. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyways... I mean, I but we love seeing Diane Weiss. Love seeing Diane Weiss. I thought Diane Weiss was great. She was kind of my, she was kind of the best part of it. She me. was the best part of me when she when she when she says "Have at it, you and you crock of c word." No, yeah. she says "You crock of c word." Crock of c word. Have at it, you crock of c word. Oh That's man! Um, all right, so the time right. has officially come. Um, it has mm. been. Three months? Some time now. Three months. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Since Evermore was released and Bowen and I famously were a little bit um, stressed about it mm-hmm. because we had just been sort of inundating ourselves. Oh, we, we were just embarking on the 12 Days of Culture. That was a really stressful time. Yeah, we, we just put our plates were too full. <laughs> at the time to really cover it in the way that we did Folklore on Taylor Taylor. Yes. And I mean, uh, someone... um. Someone on Vulture uh, recently uh, uh, brought up the Taylor Taylor episode as a way of just like a fun way to like just sort of, you know, dip your toe into the world of Taylor Taylor. Absolutely. This episode should be Swift Swift. Swift Swift. That that only makes sense because there, uh, in, in listening to this album, I feel she... Well, there's a lot of themes here that it actually feels like a much more complete album than I thought. Um, it really is different from folklore. I feel like Evermore, like there's a, she is really it. Infidelity is a huge thing for her. Have you noticed this? Infidelity is a huge thing for her. Grief is a huge thing for her in mm-hmm. this. Nostalgia, um, obviously. Nostalgia, like pers- like you know, family history, mm-hmm. and like the way things age, like. For her to have like a song called Ivy and Willow and the imagery is very focused, but I think the breadth musically is wider hmm. and just as deep as it was on folklore. But folklore for, to me, and I love folklore and I think I actually prefer folklore over evermore. Mm-hmm. Um, but folklore to me felt more because she had to be so impactful with this new turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a more focused sound with a really deep, like, um, you know, lyrical 
sort of thing. But mm-hmm. this feels like she's broadened the scope, but it's just as deep as it was. It feels like it feels like red. Right. It feels like red more than a lot of her recent albums have. Well, what I was picking up on throughout this entire and listening to the album again and like taking notes through it and like really trying to like soak into it, it it doesn't feel personal until the end, and then it's very personal. Like you had an interesting theory. I said, go ahead. Well, I, I don't think it gets really personal at all until like. The thing with folklore is it was so like modern myth. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, she, it, mm-hmm. she wasn't writing as herself in a lot of it, or it didn't feel like she was. She was taking on characters and everything. And with this album, I thought that was also true. And it was not until Long Story Short, which is mm-hmm. um, deep into the album, that I felt like she was really talking as Taylor herself. Yeah. And, or, or, or she was, because that, we'll get to that song, but. Because I think it's really interesting. I think it's Taylor talking to Taylor, and I think it's very interesting. The song sounds like Taylor to me. It's the poppiest song that's across the two albums. So I think that might have something to do with the fact that, like, it's she literally has a line that is here. Let me read the line. I wrote it down because I thought it was so interesting. It It was it was past me. I want to tell you not to get lost in these petty things. Your nemeses will defeat themselves before you even get a chance to swing. So it's Taylor talking to Taylor, Taylor, and she's saying. We know we have an impulse to be Taylor, but, but understand, we gotta be Taylor. get back to Taylor. You will always be Taylor. She's trying to tell herself, get back to Taylor. And I just thought, yeah, I wrote, this feels like this is Taylor talking about Taylor, most confessional song here, because everything else just felt nonspecific to her. And I think that sort of, you know, reputation-ish sound that's in the production of Long Story Short is they're on purpose because mm-hmm, it feels mm-hmm. like, and after that, you know, we have Marjorie, which is obviously a very personal about her own life. Mm-hmm. And then closure, which is about Kim Kardashian. And I actually think, I don't think it is about Kim, but it is, coming. it is. Um, what do you mean? It's literally, I think it's about Calvin. I don't, I don't think you think Kim Kardashian wrote Taylor a letter. You think it's about Calvin Harris. I don't think she, I don't think about- Kim Kardashian would write a letter to anybody, much less Taylor Swift. And that's not a, that's not a dig on her intelligence. I'm saying like Kim Kardashian doesn't write letters to people. Um, I heard that oh. Kim Kardashian. Maybe it wasn't a letter. Maybe that was Taylor sort of being Taylor and like kicking her feet through the sand and being like, it would be cool if it was a letter in the imagery at least. Like maybe it was an email. Maybe it was a fucking text. I don't know how Kim Kardashian does things. Fucking text. Um, but. I heard that she did reach out to her once she realized her marriage with Kanye West was done and apologized for the way that she behaved with who are the your sources. I, I, I forget who told me this, but I think this is like a thing. Like I think closure you is are an, you are an insider. Pretty specifically about like how Kim Kardashian reached out to her to sort of apologize and make amends, and she was like I'm not responding to this. I didn't need this. This is more for you no. than it is for me. But I think in writing the song, she has, she's like sort of caved into her worst interests because you clearly did want to address it because the song is here. The song is, exa- the song you exists, can't, yeah. she can't help but address it because she knows that like, that's a little bit of Taylor seeping through. The Taylor will, she will never be able to uh, abandon Taylor. That's what I'm Taylor. saying. So it's so funny on Long Story Short where she as Taylor is saying to Taylor, don't be Taylor. And then on and closure, then- Taylor is back. 
And those are the two characters. People, we could talk about like Dorothea and whoever Tis the Damn Season the is about. Is. But the two characters here are yet again Taylor and Taylor. Taylor and Taylor. Or, as, or Ms. Swift Ms. and Ms. Ms. Swift. I think, I don't think there was that duality on folklore. The duality is present in Evermore. Yeah, I think, I, I would agree. I think that, I think that Evermore has more Taylor than folklore does. And I think it's so, that is so true because we have this thing that happens at the end of the album when she literally dips into being personal and then I, she really should have ended the album with Marjorie for me because closure, I, we didn't need it. She didn't need to do it. We didn't need it. I don't know. I don't need any more Kim Kardashian, Kanye West narrative with Taylor Swift. I would very much like to remove myself from this narrative. Oh my God, girl. I, that was artful, by the way. Thank you, Quina. I want, I want to ask you, should we talk about this whole Netflix tweet from last week? I wanted to. I want to talk about it because I think it's. Ta- I think it's Taylor. I was gonna say it's, it's Taylor. I think it's Taylor. Taylor, and I'm so. Mm. Well, I'm saying like anytime Taylor. No, this is it. Taylor Swift as a public figure will always be Taylor. Her own reckoning with her own experience will always be Taylor. Anytime she's writing music and actually expressing through her art in this like unadulterated way that has nothing to do with her public life it is taylor i'm not saying that she's not allowed to like cross pollinate those two identities or those two like parts of herself mm-hmm. because but we are but i am saying that like that is a, an, a really interesting split in her personhood because she is an incredible artist, as we all know. And she's also someone who has like so carefully mm-hmm. curated and cultivated this persona, this public person. And yeah. so, does that make sense? It makes ex- perfect sense. I mean, I, I, I just think she... <sighs> that so because, because, because that tweet, it was like, I was taken all the way back to like 2014. I was like, 100%. oh my God. I was like, we're, we're having this conversation again? Literally. I, which is not to say that like that 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 whole joke is fucked up and stupid, but I'm saying that's like Taylor. Y- you would imagine that she's, and this is not like putting the onus on her to like move on, move past this. But you would imagine that she is like, I would imagine her as a public figure who has been whose dating life has been talked about for so 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 long that she would be like fuck it who cares let them talk about it but that's the thing she is not able to like that's why i'm so positive that closure is about kim kardashian because she actually is not the type of girl that's moved past this stuff she's actually you know i don't know if vindictive is the right word but like she is the kind of person like and it's all over folklore how angry she is at the people that have done her wrong how and and she is justified but with this this was taylor because she did not need to tweet this. And and she can use her social media however she wants. But I just think it's the most innocuous joke in the world. It's been told a million times. No one cares. No one thinks less of Taylor Swift when they hear a joke like this, which is, oh, you go through men like Taylor Swift goes through guys, whatever. Like, just like a reference to the fact that she like had a lot of boyfriends for a while that the public was picking up on. And and look, is it is it misogynist? 
sure because sure. we we look at her and we sort of like you know rake her across the coals for her relationship struggles and we don't do it to guys like and that's been said a million times but my problem is like it's it's always going to be punching down with her. Like she's the biggest musician in the world. The show is about like a mixed race, single mom and her daughter. Like it's, it's women created it. Women wrote it. Like no one's out to get you with this dude. Well, like, I have an interesting thing to bring up contextually, which is, do you think she saw the Britney doc and was like, they're doing that to me? I have no idea, but she also should know that her story is completely different from Britney Spears's. Of course, like, of course. I, I, so I don't think so. I just thought it was it was a little ridiculous and sad that she felt the need to go after this show. I think there is something to be said about her maybe drawing some parallels and thinking, I have had my sexuality like scrutinized. Mm-hmm. I've had my dating life scrutinized this is violence and I have to like speak out against this. I just think this was an interesting moment and an interesting reaction to that moment where like, I did not know about this fucking show. Until Me neither. She, like, she helped him out in a huge <laughs> way. Maybe that's also part of it. Well, there are people online who are like, this is it. This is like, <laughs> this is like guerrilla marketing where I mean, you have Taylor Swift promoting this Netflix show. Cause she is, she has a relationship with Netflix, whatever. I, I actually think that's a hundred percent what it is. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And the way she, but she also did call out Netflix in the tweet. She did like SpongeBob, like caps, lowercase caps, lowercase. I'm like, there's too much going on here. Like she, you, you could tell this was like a very reactionary thing. And like, she was upset. And like that makes total sense. Yeah, I just think that like this is this is this is a rev- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 a trigger. It's clearly a trigger. It's clearly a trigger. She couldn't believe the joke was still happening. Like you know, she went through a lot of grief because of you know content related to her relationships. I just thought by tweeting this, you actually brought so much more attention to that. Um, again, she can use her social media however she wants. If I was her, I wouldn't have made an issue of this. But also, like, I don't know how much it upset her. Clearly, it really upsets her. Um, Yes. But, you know, luckily, she's got all the fucking talent in the world to talk about the way that she feels. Like, And I think that this album, like, Evermore, I think it's really so much better than the first few times I I let myself listen to it. I don't think it's perfect because there's just there there are three songs I would just cut, mm. um, which is kind of my issue with almost everything anyone puts out now. Let's go through track by track. So we start with Willow. Girl, mm. this to me said first single in a way that Cardigan never could. Willow has what Cardigan Thank wants. Thank you. And, and yes. I, it's like with albums like this that are so like works of art, capital W, capital A, I, I understand that they don't feel the need to like give you a first single, but it is just kind of nice to feel like, oh, I could definitely hear this on the radio. And then when I do hear it on the radio, I feel like it fits there. And Willow to me is like, a great first single and fills that purpose as well as being a great song in its own right, which I can't represent- say that about Cardigan. I don't, I think. can't say that about Cardigan. Willow is the perfect representative of this album mm-hmm. and it, it would play on radio in a way that like, you'd be like, yes, of course. And the dancing, Witch Elvira remix 
Oh, please. She was getting witchy before witchy came to the culture in a big way again (laughs) with Miss Harkness. And I will say, when I heard her say, wreck my plans, that's my man. I said, you might hear me saying that during sexual intercourse. I might have to tell a man who's, you know, getting getting me plowed to wreck my plans. You might catch me saying to a man, life was a willow and it bent right to your wind while he is analingusing me. Oh my God. You might be hearing me say, that's my man. Right after I... <sighs> bleep. You might okay. catch me... Hold on, hold on, one more. You might catch me saying... I'm like the water when your ship rolled in that night to a man. The more that you say. As he is tugging me and my balls. Yes, Yes. ball tugger. The more that you say, the less I know. Less I know. I really love this song. But I feel the album gets better when we go from track one to track two because Champagne Problems... You know, I love this is my favorite type of Taylor. And I feel, you know what I think is a good throwback for this type of song? Back to December. Like her being like contrite. Contemplative. Yes. Just being like, I'm not going to give myself any credit here. Like I hurt someone. It didn't work out. And I, you will be so much better off without me in your life romantically. I, I love it. She doesn't really have that many of those songs. Yeah, it's a lot of like, fuck this guy, but this is not like that. Which is which is fine. Like if that's her ratio, then that's her ratio. Mm-hmm. But I do, I think that's a really, really good apt comparison. Let's move on. Yeah, the protagonist does not try to absolve herself. Mm. And it, and, and I, I don't know if this is her here an autobiography song but it it was beautiful she said she said to someone go find someone who's going to appreciate you and not leave you standing okay yeah. the only the, the person who did it best with autobiography was ashley simpson oh she the autobiography was the best autobiography and that's actually real culture number 60 ashley Auto, simpson, simpson autobiography, autobiography was, was the, the best, best autobiography. autobiography yeah Come on. um what do you feel about gold rush Gold Rush, I, I, I maybe I don't get it. But everyone seems to really love it. It took me so many times to get it. The first time I was listening to it, I was like, I, the the melodic shift is just not a straightforward pop melody. Like it's sort of it's sort of tricky, pulsating. Yeah, I like. Yeah, that and yeah. and I, I I didn't get that at first, and I was just like, I, I was nervous when I, when that when when the song was happening, and I wasn't getting it because I was like, oh no, is this album gonna be super like experimental? Like, am I not gonna get any Which straightforward like pop jam on it? And and I I think it exists in a really sweet spot between those two. Like, it it does something different but it still is a bop like and i will say the song really came to my it came to life for me when i saw benito skinner dancing to it in the in in the fields perfect and just i mean he was (laughs) doing every single move in the book and he really made you realize like you can fucking wreck the dance floor to this song was i think i think he posted that and he said like when people say like you can't dance to evermore and then he Proved us all wrong. Oh, he proved us all wrong. Also, like, when you listen to the lyrics, like, it's about, like, it's about your crush being out of your league. And it's about mm. thinking that. Like, And I think that's kind of like, like, I don't want the gold rush. Like, I, I, I am not of the energy to compete with all these girls. You are so perfect. That is real. And it's so, it's so kind of like, 
it, it's very illustrative and, and I feel like um, the whole gold rush imagery and like the whole like golden child of it all like it, the show the song like glows gold in, in a way that the, me- the metaphor is strong it's very, very strong very deeply that literary literary queen now this next song tis the damn season made me feel like maybe Taylor listens to lost culture you think this is lost culture I think tis the damn season is lost culture language I think it's like 80 Bryant language okay <laughs> uh, okay I think this is like something our friend Miss A.D. Bryant would say, but you don't think <laughs> she would so. say that. Tis the damn season. She'd be like, "Tis the damn season." I could hear her say it right now. Tis the damn season. Um, well, I think it's a great song. This this is one of the, this is the first line in the album where I was like, "Taylor's here." Right, one of the line. Taylor or Taylor. Taylor. No, Taylor. Taylor. Taylor Taylor is is here throughout the album. Uh, Yes, of course. Taylor poked her head in with this line. Uh huh. Uh huh. The so-called friends who write books about me if I ever made it. Like, I just thought that was so Taylor. This is Dorothea. I know, but that I'm just saying Taylor definitely wrote that line. Like Taylor was sitting there, like with her tea, and her eyes went black. And Taylor wrote that one line. And Taylor, she's fucking Pazuzu. She is <laughs> she's Pazuzu girl, Pazuza. Possessing. Um. So, but this, yes, this is Dorothea is the narrator of the song, and Doug says a low vocal key for low her. But she's in the basement on this whole album, though. Yeah, she really is, Doug. Did Doug just listen to this one song and was like, "Oh, okay." Tis this the is damn season, Doug. Doug, hold on. We, we, I do think we need to talk. We need to bring Doug in at the end of this. I really want to. Get, I really want to see what Doug thinks of Evermore. Yeah, I think it was. Okay. It's. 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 It's just like we. We. He'll be coming in. He'll be coming in. But I feel like in. this is a good song. It's a Christmas song, and it's I think a it's a good song? song for anyone who knows what it's like to keep coming back to that one man. <laughs> Anyone who keeps coming back to that one man, I know my sister Bowen keeps going back to that one man. He doesn't have to go to Tupelo to get him, but he goes back. I'm trying to pull myself away. We all know what it's like to not be able to pull ourselves away from the dick, okay? And that's what his the damn season is about. It's like this girl, young Dorothea, she goes home to her hometown and <laughs> and wants the dick, haha. She wants the dick, haha, haha, and and she gets it each and every time. Should we move on to the track five of this album? The big track five. The big track Tolerate five. Tolerate it. One of the only mm. songs on my first listen to this album where I was like, oh yes. Tolerate it. This is an incredible song about not feeling validated or loved back by a partner. And, yes. you know, the imagery, I'm going to paint a portrait of you with my finest colors. And mm. also this th- that sort of like 1800s of it all. And also to know uh, th- she uses the words fancy shit. Love it. This is 2021 Taylor writing a timeless classic about unrequited love, even when you're in a relationship. Waiting for your man to come home and he don't give a shit about you. Yeah. There was another song I I love about this. I'm in my penthouse half naked. Yes. I cook this meal for you naked. naked. So where the hell are you at? Jealous has what Tolerated wants. Sorry about it. Sorry, even if, even for a track five, a Beyonce song I did you. Wish that you were me. So you could feel this feeling. I never broke one promise. 
And I know when you're not honest. Now you got me yelling. That's because I'm jealous. Kobo, do it. Wow, he doesn't he doesn't know Beyonce lyrics. Okay. I don't I Beyonce self-titled was a while ago. Mm, you know? That it is the classic. Okay, mother. <laughs> wow. Was that 2014? 14. Yeah. December 2014. I skipped it, but Jealous was one of my was one of my skips. I'm, I'm sorry to say. What? Oh my god, Jealous is my favorite on the album. No, I was here for fucking blow for <sighs> typical like run of the mill fagot. Yeah, Fuck which you are a dime you. a dozen. You like you blow are- groundbreaking. <laughs> so you really broke ground with that one, Queen and a Half. You really broke ground with that one, ground, queen, and that one queen and a Half. That's really good. That's that's <laughs> almost as good as Crock a C word. I Crock a C word I fucking love. I wish I could use that. Oh, so we good. probably can. Um, no, no. So tolerate it. We we'll love. Cut them, we'll cut them. We'll cut them. No, no cutting. We'll cut, we'll, we'll no cut cutting. It. No cutting. Yes, yes. No cutting ever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I also thought that intolerate it. It's kind of cool how her voice gets stronger as the song goes. Did you notice that? I did notice that. And that's, yeah, I like that too. And I think that's such a beautiful artistic choice. I don't really have anything to add. You yeah. you, you came with the notes. We'll tolerate it's fab. Well, I just, well, it's probably because I knew we were doing this and I thought it should, we should at least ha- put our academic drag on. Sure, sure. I just, I just saved it for specific songs. Anyway. I mean, what do you think about... I think he did it, but I just can't prove it. Um, I really, uh, this was a song that I really disliked on the first lesson, but over time has really grown on me. I'm going to tell you why you hate it after why? you after you finish your thought. Finish your thought, and then I'll tell you why you hate because, it. Because I compare it to Goodbye or All? No, that's like, no. That's, that's, I really like that. I just, in terms of like a different kind of storytelling song, like the, the, What's, what drives it is different from a lot of other Taylor songs mm-hmm. um, in, the, in in terms of the storytelling engine. But um, why do you think I hate it? You have said you're maxed out on true crime and this is inspired by true crime. This, is, this song is literally written because Taylor loves true crime. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that's why you don't like it. And I have to say, I really liked it the first time I listened to it because I was like, oh, that's really different. And I recognize this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now in listening to it again, I think it's just like, it's a great hook. It's like a well-executed, like simple type of country rock pop song. But I wonder if we've heard this song a million times. And that's why it kind of feels like, and we've maybe heard it just done in a way that didn't feel as overstuffed as this one is. Like, Goodbye Earl, like, that's, like, a very clear narrative. The narrative yeah. here is clear, but, like, the bridge is, like, all of a sudden there's a million things a million going things on. things happening. Yeah. You have, she's really trying to track her narrative here, and, like, it does check out, but it's it's stuffed. It's Well, she's always been wordy. Like, she and I have that in common where we use... Mm. Where we're, we're we're just very wordy, and it kind of works to against us a lot of times. Where wordy people are like, what are you talking about? I think this was like I feel like the it's, it, it sounds like um, before he cheats. A well, bit. it's it's all of that. I mean, like I, I said, take this song, give me two black Cadillacs any day. Like you know that Carrie Underwood song. I don't, but work. Oop, that's a really good one. I, I just think like I've heard 
her vocals great on this. Like I think it's the, the I think he did. Like I just think she mm-hmm, she delivers mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. really well, and I think it ends up being very satisfying, especially the last tide. But um, I think it just it if I'm judging it like compared to other songs that are like this, I don't think it's better or worse. I just think it's this, it doesn't offer anything new to the conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. just feels like Taylor finally did her version of this, which is right, cool. Right. I just don't know Love if it. it's like, was this one of your songs that you would cut? It actually wasn't. Okay. Let's keep um, going. Mine are coming, but not before. Uh, actually, Happiness is one of my favorites. I love happiness. Love happiness so much. This sitting in every emotion that this song has, like the <laughs> okay, the, the way the way that this song is able to get across pretty much all the emotions that you feel when a relationship ends. Like it mentions, like the shock of it, the disbelief, the vindictiveness, the fact that like it becomes about things, the memories, the nostalgia of it, the eventual like understanding of why things happen, the need for the other person to validate the fact that you were not just a bad thing in their life. That's mm-hmm, something that mm-hmm. I really identified with. I remember like yes. when, when we did our acid trip, you cried, I, I, <laughs> you cried. You I cried. did cry. And I really, I, I remember I realized I had a big realization about my first relationship ending. It was like, I just wanted him to you wanted him to not think you were that you were a bad person it's not even about again being absolved though it's it's more like it's it was more like i just want to know that you'll always care you know what i mean like like i i hope that because our relationship did ended that it's not this thing of like we feel like because the narrative of breakups is what it is, like we can't still care about each other and look back on it as a fond thing. Like there is happiness after you. There was happiness because of you. There was happiness because of me. There will be happiness after me. Like that, that's such an important thing when a relationship Mm -hmm. ends. I I think if you can get there, like it's something that that's really how you get closure on a relationship. And I think that this song like really gets that really beautifully illustrates that. Yeah. This is Taylor playing a boy again. And I just want to say, yeah, here we go. Love this song. Oh, I just, I'm sorry to compare it to Betty. Betty. No, many have. But Betty, Betty is, I think, one of my favorite, favorite Taylor songs ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Dorothea is very good. Totally different. Going for a totally different thing. Yeah. But I just think. Betty is something that like swells at the end in a way mm-hmm. that is so satisfying. Dorothy is a nice vibe throughout. I don't know that it really grows or like dynamically changes from like the beginning, but I think it's a lovely song. Yeah, I think it's a lovely song. I think Dorothy is not trying to be the star. You know what I mean? I know, yeah. Dorothy yeah, yeah. is not trying to be, she's not trying to take any space. Like uh, that's something I do like about Taylor in this new era is like, it feels like she's, and I, I, of course, love whenever every song is a hit on an album. Like, that's why I love 1989, like, because the majority of it are huge smashes. But, like, feels like she on these albums are like, no, this song is like a more simple thing about it's a simple guy who lives in a simple town. And he wishes that this girl who went off to become a TV star, um, Dorothea, would come home and live a simpler life with him because he knows that she doesn't need all of that. Such a lovely song, like, such yeah. a lovely narrative. And Beautiful. I think it's really sweet and cute and 
Um, it wasn't one of my favorites when I first started because I think it's not trying to be the star. But now mm-hmm. that I can listen to it as as a part of a whole, I, I do really like it a lot. And there is something too. Dorothy! Yeah! That is cute. There's a little bit of Taylor in there. A little bit of Taylor. <laughs> Let's move on. I think this is a cut for you. This is a cut from... We now get to Coney Allen, which is a huge cut for me because I don't need this like retreat on these themes. I feel like it's a it, the, the ninth spot on an album is a tough spot tough, to put a tough. song that like melodically storyline wise, like thematically, like just Stags. says a whole bunch of the things that we've been hearing. Like these it themes have been throughout the whole bit. album already. We don't need Coney Island. And I also like controversial opinion. I don't need any male feature on a Taylor album. I don't want to hear a man's voice. Ed Sheeran caught shaking. You're goddamn right. I think Endgame would have been better if it was just Taylor. I think Future has to l- introduce us to the world that is, this is a hip-hop song. Sure. And then you have Taylor come in, and it would have been great if she had two verses instead of just one, because her verse did end up being the best. Let me take it back. I don't need any... I don't need... I don't need The National, and I don't need Bon Iver on these albums. Like, I, I just... I get that they're huge parts of making them. I just personally, whenever their male voice is cut in, like, maybe it's their very specific baritone sound. I'm just like, no, no, no. Like stop bringing me back down to earth. I want to be up in the sky with Taylor. Yeah. It's taking me out of it. Yeah. 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 I just don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. Do you? I also feel like it's not even specific to Coney Island, which I know sounds dumb, but it's like, if she's, she's trying to elicit all these images of like, Oh, all the times we spent on Coney Island. No, but it's not even like, I don't even think it's, she doesn't bring up the Nathans. She doesn't bring up ski ball at all. She never talks about riding the cyclone. She she never talks about taking the damn shuttle bus into it, honey, or the ferry. She never talks about taking the F train all the way down. She certainly doesn't. Because, you know, she rode in a black car. Honey. (laughs) It's about class at the end of the day. This song is about class, and it's disgusting. And she obviously doesn't know Coney Island. Not in the way that my girl Beyonce does, who famously shot the the XO video video in Coney Island. It's actually a rule of culture number two. Beyonce Beyonce famously famously shot shot the the XO XO video video in in Coney Coney Island. Island. That's a rule of culture. Rule of culture. So we're not, we're not going to compare Beyonce to Taylor anymore. It's too Kanye of us. Let's keep going. Um, I'm going to let you finish, but Ivy is one of my favorite songs on the album. (laughs) I think this is one of her best songs. Mm. Period. Period. And that's on period. And that's on period. The lyric, like lyrically, it's like, oh my god, what, what did you just do? That's incredible. Yeah, I, the ivy growing all over your stone house, girl. You are not able to help these feelings; they will cover you. And I love this again. This infidelity thing. Like, notice mm-hmm. this is a track ten, and illicit affairs is a track ten. So oh. I'm wondering if there's something there because there's the discussion and um, sort of because they're sort of similar sounding too. Elicit affair, she's the other woman, and in, in Ivy, she is the person who is doing the cheating. So it's it's I mean, I guess the, it's a nice inversion too. I just think, but I just even if you take the infidelity out of it, I just think this is a beautiful love song. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I think she kind of wants to make it more about how this is like an all-consuming love, and that it, the asterisk on it is that she's already married or that she's already 
you know, her hand has been promised to another. Yeah, she loves... Oh, goddamn, my pain fits in the palm of your freezing hand taking mine, but it's been promised to another. Mm. Yeah, she's such a good writer. I mean, like, she loves to be in a position of... You know, this is this is very Bridgerton. This song, the, to me, this very is Bridgerton. just like she loves to be like emotionally corseted. I feel yes. I, th- I can I also say I guess this is technically a verse, like the the just just going straight from and now I'm covered in clover blooms in the field spring. I'm just like that is such a musically like oh I love that like that's I just think this is such a well produced song on top of being one of her best written songs lyrically. Yeah. I I think this is fantastic. It feels like this song, Ivy, is like the reason why we have folklore anymore. You know what I mean? Like, if she is going to do a project like this, like, the reason that that's so exciting is because we can get something like Ivy out of it. Right. Ooh. Similarly, I would say for the next song, Cowboy Like Me is also love I love that song. Yes. I love that song. Yes. Cowboy Like Me got you a groove. Oh. Gets a groove. Mm. And also, here's what I love about Cowboy Like Me. I wrote the word obsessed. I'm actually unclear at the end of it if like these two people that have like, I get the sense that like they've met their match. They're scammers and they've met their match in each other. And I'm actually, and I love this about the song, I'm unclear at the end of the song whether or not Taylor is writing it from the perspective of having just been conned by this guy as well. Or that Mm -hmm. she knows that she's going to con him. Because she says, I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to love again. And I feel like you can look at it a couple different ways. Like, I'm never going to love again because I found the love of my life. It's you, my equal. Or I'm never going to love again because what we're not hearing is all of this led to me getting conned the way I've did it to many I've other people. I've been tricked. Getaway car. Very getaway car. Very that. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I love that about it. And I love that. I love like the slower pace of this. What would you call this song? It's, I don't know. It's just like, it, it sounds like a national song. It sounds like the piano, you get guitar. You yeah, get it's just it like just a blues like yeah. Bluesy. Doug says bluesy. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. I love Cowboy Like Me. Really, really wonderful, wonderful Love song. Cabo Like Me. So our our next one is Long Story Short. And we did talk this about this Taylor. one. But this is this is Taylor being like, Taylor, we know Taylor exists inside of us. And I feel that up until this point in the album, it feels like the most it feels like the most old Taylor and that it's like her talking to herself and her fans being like, here is an assessment of the stuff that we all know I went through. Mm-hmm. In that way, it was throwbacky to me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that line. Past me. I want to tell you not to get lost in those petty things. Love that. Yes. Love that. Girl. You know. You love know that Taylor. girl. And then love we have girl. Ms. Marjorie. Marjorie. Lovely song. Lovely Beautiful girl. song. I hope to one day write a tribute to my grandmother in this way. It made me feel sad. I mean, and this obviously is the point, but it does really, I mean, she has that line where she says, um, uh, I should have asked you questions. I should have asked you how to be. That's so, and she does, it's, it, this is Minari. It's almost like she's writing down in her, yeah, right? It's it's almost like she's writing down in the song, like what she remembers, everything she remembers her grandma told her, like, um, never be so kind. You, you know what I mean? You forget to be clever. Never be so clever. Mm-hmm. You forget to be kind. And it's just like, you get that she takes all these things to heart now and wishes she had had more time and, that is emotional. Um, yeah. You know, I've lost both my grandparents and, or 
all my grandparents, both my grandmothers. And, um, you know, those are relationships that are finite. Mm. Very sad. And also you hear Marjorie Finlay's vocals sampled in the song. Right. Those like operatic sounds. That's Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift's actual grandmother. She found... She found she found like she found the recordings recordings. and just sampled them in there. So she's she's on the album. I'm actually this sounds weird. It's it it, it surprises me that she has not talked about um, Marjorie up until this her ninth album. She normally has like really dug into her personal history since the beginning of her career, and I'm just like I can't. It's so surprising that it's taken this long to talk about someone who clearly means so much to you and inspired like your musicality. Yeah. I was surprised to not know about her either. Yeah. But maybe, maybe she was like waiting for the right thing. I mean, I think this is something, this is a beautiful, as beautiful of a tribute as you can write to um, that kind of relative, your grandmother. Like, I think this is something that she probably waited a long time to do and she wanted to do it right. Yeah. It's really pretty. And she sounds great. And we should also say Taylor's vocals sound great on the entire album. Uh, And on, I can't wait for fearless Taylor's version. Love story. She sounds fucking amazing. She sounds good. So mature, but still bright. She's still going for like the brightness of like 2008 Mm -hmm. when that album came out. Like she's still like, she knows exactly what to do vocally. And like, even though her voice has matured so, so much, tones have changed i think she's still able to like have the the right intention with what she's trying to do yeah um in each different song there's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of bubbly bubbly burst refreshing bubbles colorful bottles and playful smiles galore bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible and with no added sugar and low calories there's a lot to smile about each sip adds a burst of fun to your day i don't know about you matt but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Hey, everybody. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs Classic Clogs and Sandals have both covered. And when we're talking about style, we mean personal style. There's just so many colors and so many gibbets charms. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood and to match your personality and to fit the occasion. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than the Crocs clogs and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When the music of Celine Dion makes sweet Canadian love with the Oscar-winning film Titanic, you get... Titanic, a campy, unhinged, chaotic night out. And what more could you ask for? Find out what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night from Celine Dion's totally real and historically accurate perspective. Titanic is NYC's funniest night out. Plus, it's the winner of multiple awards, including the Las Culturistas Kimberly Akimbo Award for Best Indoor Live Performance. Titanic is a parody musical that answers the question of what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night. Aboard the Titanic. My life was improved by seeing Titanic, so much so that I reached out to my best friend Bowen Yang to improve his life. And Bowen, did it succeed? It succeeded so much that I went four more times. So set sail with this kooky, crazy off-Broadway hit this season. Plus, if you get tickets six weeks in advance, you get 30% off. And that's on Titanic math, girlfriend. But seriously, who can wait that long? Go see it tomorrow. What are you waiting for? Get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Okay, let's move on to closure. Yeah, I, I, I don't need closure because I feel like she unfortunately sort of leaned into a bad instinct of hers, which is to sort of prolong a narrative by saying you've completed a narrative. And I just don't need it. I just don't need it. This is like a clean, this is like a... You don't think this is like a clean? Or- no, I do not think this is like a clean. I think clean is about something completely different. I think, it, I, and, and also if in a world where we have clean and we think they're about the same thing, we certainly don't. They're not, closure. I'm not saying they're about, they're not about this. I'm not saying they're about the same thing. No, it doesn't. It, I, I just feel like it, it feels tacked on to me, especially when you have Marjorie, which to me is such a beautiful closer. Cause I would also cut Evermore the next song. I, and again, I just, I liked Evermore. I just don't I need Evermore. it. I, I, you just hate that Bon Iver is on it. I don't hate that Bon Iver is on it. I just, I feel the album reached a natural conclusion with Marjorie and everything else after that does, it feels like a de-heighten. And mm. I don't need that. I don't need like a cool down after Marjorie. I feel like that was right. the beautiful way to end the album. And the, and the and the two albums, really. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, you know, we know she she be releasing bonus tracks. So like have these be bonus tracks then. I actually really liked Right Where You Left Me, which is one of her bonus tracks on this one. Really good. Really, really good. good. Um I haven't listened to it enough to really form like a solid opinion on it. Neither have I, I, I but it's 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 a little it jumps out a little bit more than the other tracks. Mm. Like it requires Ooh. less of a close listen. We were talking to Reverend Patrick about it's his birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, house. Happy birthday, house. He was telling us that he loves Evermore more than folklore. Like, he, he does. Many do. I'm so curious about that. I feel like folklore, like, I also feel this this way to a certain extent where with the impact of folklore coming out and, being, and it being fully out of nowhere and it being such a shift for Taylor, mm-hmm. the impact of that can never be matched by the, the Evermore moment. And so it's so hard to listen to Evermore and not have it feel like B-sides in some way. I know I know they're different things. I know that she had different approaches to them as albums. Mm-hmm. I just think it feels like an addendum. 
still. Here's what I would throw out there. If Evermore had come out first and then Folklore came out, would you feel the same way about Folklore? Would you feel that Folklore's yes. content felt like bees? See, okay. I, I will say giving it more of a chance to feel like two different projects, I think Folklore is stronger. Oh, wait, wait. You're asking me what I think that Folklore sounded like B-sides to Evermore? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because like, No, be- no. I think Folklore right. is the superior album. Yes. Right. And so I was going to say that, like, I, I think if it was reversed, I, I think if Evermore had come out first, we would have been fucking thrilled. Yes, yes. But then Folklore, uh, on its own, I think just stands out a little bit more. Like, I, I think yeah. that- once we have time to really ruminate, I think it's going to it's gonna become clear that Folklore is the one. And I I'm happy so to too. have Evermore. And of course, count Evermore as like as valid an album as any of her other ones. But And there are tracks on Evermore that I'm like, please like replace, not that this is how it would work, but like please replace some Folklore tracks. I mean, I made my, my, my Folklore playlist famously, but now I'd have to change famously. it because I have, I have new favorites. Some new, some new favorites. She was, she was, people were saying that Evermore is the more experimental album in terms of songwriting and production. I think Folklore felt more like chamber poppy, like something that she earnestly hadn't done. Like between Mirrorball and August and Betty and like, I'm just like, it was such, it was such a, an elevation in her songwriting that I was like, this is incredible. And I still think when you compare it side by side to Folk, uh, to Evermore, it still beats it out. I do think with Ivy, Ivy is this was one of those songs to me that I'm like, you are because I know that Taylor Swift has been obsessed obsessed with Joni Mitchell her entire life, mm-hmm. and I think with Red she was kind of like trying to write her own version of Blue at the time, um, but th- Ivy was her fucking nailing it with like the Joni Mitchell like Ladies of the Canyon drag like yeah you know like Court and Spark like whatever like I was like you did it like you did what you set out to do in some way, not from the beginning, not that like this was her life's work to like write and produce like a Joni Mitchell sounding song, but to have like the influence so cleanly translate to a song that is you, Taylor Swift is amazing. So I just think that like there are, there are bright spots in Evermore that I still think are outshined by the overall like supernova moment that folklore still is to me. Yeah. I think folklore is incredible that it's like, I still think that it's like such an, an amazing thing that it happened. Yeah, I would agree. Let's bring Doug in for his quick thoughts. Doug, come in, come in, Doug. And Doug, did you listen to the album in preparation? It feels like you did. It feels like you did. And you had some comments. Did you fit listen to folklore as well? Doug, come in now. <laughs> so what's your, what's your sort of take? I did listen to, Evermore in prep. But not folklore. No. Okay. All right. That's fine. And, and I don't know that much. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to blast through it and see what see what happens. And I, I actually agreed with you guys a lot on, okay. on your feelings. And I, I just feel I liked happiness the best. Yeah. I think mm. it's really good. She kind of broke her. I don't know if she's done this for a long time or, but I always felt like she falls into this rhythm a lot. Her natural like, uh, da, 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 uh, 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 and I felt happiness really broke <laughs> from that, and so did Cowboy. Yeah, mm, that's that's a great observation. Well, yeah. literally, it's like we're able to make fun of Taylor because it is so like, gamma, gamma. Uh, she does have her like thing that she does. Like yeah. she is very Taylor. Like there's a lot of size in the music and everything. But um, I think what you're saying is is totally 
that rings true for me because those songs felt like a different pace for her. Yeah. Not just like in terms of pace of the music, obviously, but in terms of like emotionally, like, like on happiness when she's like, you haven't met the new me yet. I just thought like, uh, there's some, something going on here. That's feels like a progression. And Mm -hmm. for you to not really even know that much about her and pick up on that is I think interesting. It was a fun exercise for me anyway. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to listen. Like I would have never mm. put it on had it not been for you guys. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna put it on. Let's hear it. That's so Thank emotional. You, That's so, so emotional. emotional. That's so emotional. You're so emotional. You should listen to folklore too. I'm really curious to see what you. There's a lot. Of, it, like it sounds like there's a lot of like songs that sound like magnetic, magnetic fields or like Jesus and Mary Chain, like that era of music that I think you would really like if you like that kind of stuff. All right, girl. See ya. See ya, girl. Bye, Bye Doug. Well, that we was Doug, Doug, and we love to always check in with Doug and see what he feels. <laughs> but remember, he's, he worked with Celine Dion in the 90s and said he didn't know who she was when they were in the recording booth together. So understand Shameful. that. Shameful. Shameful, ultimately. But I think it might be time for I Don't Think So, Honey. I think it might be time for I Don't Think So, Honey. So I Don't Think So, Honey is the 62nd segment that we do um, to rail against something in pop culture that we hate. I I think I have one. It's off the dome. Okay, girl. Honey, two domes for you. Two tips. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm about to do one off the dome too. But this oh, is Matt honey. Rogers. I don't think so, honey. His time starts now. I don't think so, honey. People only realizing Oprah is a quote-unquote good interview now that she sat down <laughs> with Meghan Markle. Um, I couldn't believe when I went on Twitter and was searching before we got on here the Meghan Markle-Oprah interview. And people were like, wow, Oprah is a really good interviewer. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my Literally, God, where y'all. have you been forever? And now I'm really mad at the culture. I'm really mad at the culture because does Oprah need to be on television every single day to remind you who the fuck she is? This is Oprah Winfrey, motherfucker. Also, I don't think so, honey, that we need the royal family to key us into Oprah. I fucking despise the royal family. I can't believe how much time it takes up. Bitch, you need to go all the way back and understand that Oprah predates the royal family, okay? Oprah has been thousands (laughs) and thousands of years, and the royal family is a blip on the radar. Oprah is culture, capital C. The royal family is little C culture, and I don't even know what's going on with Meghan Markle. I think she should be free to walk in her own designer garments. (laughs) And that's one minute. And they better be designer, honey, or I won't give a shit. I did think I was, I was like right before we got on, we're actually recording this as the interview is happening. Yes. And I'm going to watch it yes. at eight. Um, but, but I did think it was funny. Like people were like, wow, it's so great to see Meghan Markle walking in her truth. It's like, she lives in a $15 million house. <laughs> <laughs> She's living an authentic life, finally walking in her truth. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. She's been comfortable even since before she dated. Did you Harry. see some it's of fine. the breaking tea that was coming from the from I the... saw some of the breaking tea. I saw some of the clips this week. Um I I want to comment on. That. Okay. Is it is this an I don't think so, honey? This is an I don't think so, honey. All right. Oh my guru. Um this is the one and only iconic name another legend. You can't. Bowen Yang's I don't think so, honey. And I'm honored to say in sharing space with him that I've become better. And his time starts now. I don't think so, honey. The royal fucking family. Guru. Honey, the protection of Prince Andrew at the coinciding with going after fucking the Duchess of Sussex herself, Meghan Markle, is deplorable. 
bull. And it, the fact that all these bullying allegations are coming out this week, coincidentally timed with the interview, says it all, honey. It's a terrible, ancient, toxic thing. It's the reason why British tabloid culture is lethal, why it kills people, why it literally has killed royals in the past. The fact that it still exists and it still has the same cultural import that it does is the reason why British tabloid culture is as noxious as it is. So, royal family disappear let let make buckingham palace a fucking tiktok house five seconds make it a make it a collab house for youtubers for for zoomers to go in there and make little videos to entertain us because that is more valuable than what you have done for hundreds of years you inbred motherfuckers i don't know about all that I don't, that's one minute though i'm just um, saying like they're, they're old and i'm not to be ageist but you have to get them out bring uh, some youthful energy into that space Sage the fucking place down, then bring in some young British talent to make fun little videos for us. It's okay? so funny because I was gonna do I don't think so, honey. Royal family, and I, 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 I then I was like more specifically want to talk about the how aghast I was that people seemed to not know Oprah was good at what That's she does. Crazy, but first of but all. I don't think so, honey. The royal family because what like it's the, the Prince Andrew thing, like you were saying, like the fact that they haven't really stripped him of his titles. The fact that they, he's only stepped away from public duty. He has not been stripped of his titles. No. Yeah. He's still in line to the throne. I mean, they stepped away too, but the thing is just like for them to be like, we're launching an investigation into the claims of Megan's bullying and not like take more seriously. The fact that like Prince Andrew was on Jeffrey Epstein's pedophile Island, like, was like literally sweating his ass off when asked questions about it in that interview. Like the fucking call is coming from inside the house and the call is rotted and gutted. I don't get it. And Elizabeth II is like not without her flies. She's not it. She's never been it. I was in London during the Diamond Jubilee and I thought, I'm not impressed. I said, like Karen Huger said to Miss Wendy Osefa herself, I'm not impressed. You know who else is not it? Fucking Charles is obviously not it. And Prince William is not it. Because also, let's not forget the fact that they pivoted so hard to piling on Meghan was because there was many allegations that Prince William was cheating on Kate Middleton. Girl, I'm so excited. My my girl is starting to work on a project that I think he will do very, very well in. I hope. It was just his birthday. Oh, I celebrate birthday. you. Thank you for celebrating, Teresa. I celebrate you. Teresa. You are my Teresa. You are my Teresa. Should we sing it out? We should sing it out. What do you think is the song we should do? There is happiness after me, but there is happiness because of me. <laughs> That's just a nice little soft way to end the podcast. Swift. Yeah. Swift. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Croc clogs and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. When the music of Celine Dion makes sweet Canadian love with the Oscar-winning film Titanic, you get Titanic, a campy, unhinged, chaotic night out. Find out what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night from Celine Dion's totally real and historically accurate perspective. Some say Titanic is the best gay nightclub in the city, and those people are me. And me. So set sail with this cookie crazy off-Broadway hit and get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 